What if we abandoned the, the podcasting thing and just started like a percussion? Yeah, what if we just did that? stomp? Like stomp the podcast. Cool. You know, my dad was in like a small town version of Stomp called the Drumming Pools. <laughs> what? what? We unlocked some deep Riley lore sixteen seconds into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're just all playing on Niagara wine barrels. <laughs> There's more to Niagara than just fucking hell. There's Is more there? to Niagara than just wine. Is there though? I mean, you, yes. you, there's there's a waterfall, I guess. You have the cool half of the waterfall. Uh huh. That's you right. Have... We have the we have the uh, still definitely racist half of the waterfall. Don't let it tell you otherwise. Mm. Yeah, and you have you have you have the the microclimate. You have the like horseshoe falls. Yeah, many, ha- we have many fine you, you breweries have, and restaurants. You have the, the the local news that you showed me about people protesting because they were the like Antifa were trying to take away the horse drawn carriages. Yeah, we we have that. We have some beautiful uh, old hotels. We have the oldest golf course in North America, as well, the Niagara Lake mm. Golf and Country Club. Uh, we have many other f- fine golf courses as well. Uh, we have <laughs> yes, we have the Queen's Landing <laughs> Hotel. You can get a horse and buggy out front of. I don't. We have like like two really nice parks: Victoria Park and Mississauga Beach. Um, we have like all these beautiful old bed and breakfasts. Like it's really nice. I, I, I would like, by way of contrast, to ask you to Google image the Churchill Theatre in Bromley, uh, which oh is my God. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh no, that's just between a flash. Between the, between between the Churchill Theatre and the Glades, which is uh, also <laughs> dismal in its own way. Yeah, I see my man oh. laughing because he knows. Oh. Yeah, ah. no, Bromley, oh. Bromley has uh, so many fucking amenities, man. Yo, it's got it's, got, go- it's got those. Oh. It's got. Oh, I see. The- it's the Churchill Theatre. I thought you said the Church Hill Theatre. No, 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 no. Nothing that interesting. No, it's like the Nodding Dog Churchill. Theater. Any of these places I know is places where ah. I I smoked very bad joints. Yes. Mm. Yeah. This is, the, these are places where I feel like both Hussein and I have observed men in very very shiny shoes fist fighting yes. outside an all bar one. Yes, and they oh, all nice. wear like the same I mean, type of like cut TM. Is it Tim Burton show? Is it Tim? It's Burton? TM Lewin. It's TM Lewin. Yeah. They're all fanciful lads. It's, it's just, it's just dressed as skeleton. It's not Tim Burton, it's just Burton, but they have like a very specific kind of shirt. Yeah, yeah where it's like, mm. it, it, it's like, it's nice, quote unquote, but it's very shiny too. Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. the shirt See, and I, the shoes I, are both I spent, shiny. I spent this entire time just in like wear, wearing more than one polo shirt at once. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, just it's like, layering. Yeah, just like it's, wearing it's, a couple. I mean, it's weird so, how like, I was fashion, just... It's weird how that fashion trend went from being about from uh, from Kanye West to just uh, Steve Bannon. Yeah, well, I, oh, I also I, love how like the dynamic of this podcast, without Nate here to like rep Indiana, is one part like the oldest golf course in North America, and then three parts various shitholes of the southeast of England. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, uh, speaking of which, shall we talk about the stuff? Hmm. The stuff, hey, the things. Oh, bring, no. in, bring in Not the theme again. song. Bring in the theme song and let it flow forth. Hello. 
Hello and welcome back again to Trash Future, the podcast where we apparently talk about the towns we're from. Yeah, um, absolutely. This is this is yeah. Lisa Nandy uh, labor <laughs> progressivism. Yeah, we're talking about towns. Uh, it's but the hey, rural bus service podcast. I'm I'm going to actually, uh, by way of introducing this episode, I'm going to take the tone and I'm going to cause a jarring shift in it uh, because. The time of monsters seems to be at hand. Uh, we don't know anything about. Um, we don't know anything. We, I, we, we still don't know don't anything know about the cool zone. Yeah, uh, yeah we which don't know anything about the cool zone. We seem to know. We seem to notice right that it's developing. We are also recording this episode like ten days in advance. Yeah, everything will be completely yeah. different one way or yeah. the other. Like, Donald Trump will, like, try to shoot someone with a gun, like, just with a pistol that he found. Uh, just, yeah, it'd be cool. We, we cannot yeah. stress enough how weird and how unpredictable the turns this last week or yeah. two have taken have been. Hang on, I'll, I'll leave some gaps to fill in. Wow, I can't believe that Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, SodaStream tank. <laughs> no. Yeah. So no, uh, like cl clearly this stuff is very serious and very bad, which means that the people least equipped in the world to like tell you anything about it are us idiots. No. So here's basically here's the thing. We are recording this episode way ahead of schedule specifically because I'm like moving house this weekend and we didn't want to talk about current events that are no longer current. We also think that what's going on right now in the States and increasingly around the world deserves like actual deep thought and reflection and time. Yeah. We're not so going to do like a brand tweet that's like, oh, we, we, we support like uh, uh, black co-creators and yeah. stuff and then so just nothing else. Here's the deal. We are going this week. Uh, we are going to be talking about one subject. We are going to cover the, uh, the protests, the ongoing protests. We are going to give it enough time for us to think about it. We're going to also give us the right amount of time so we have the right amount of lead time before you hear what we have to say, because this is serious and shouldn't just be tossed off. Yeah. Also, With we're going to post, we're going to spam a bunch of bail links. There's an Act Blue oh, yeah. link that Nate yeah, yeah. has been putting out. Uh, we encourage you very much to, to donate to bail funds, solidarity funds. Uh, community funds, anything, anything of that nature, we we highly recommend, and we will be doing that also. And so, of course, look, the Trash Future Break Light Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what we are now. So yeah. look, here's the thing. All what we sometimes we have to ask: What is when we when when fascists say they're fighting to preserve Western culture? They're, they're they mean a lot of things, but one of the <laughs> things they mean is the. Cons the consumer economy as it has developed. So they are imagining themselves as the phalanx from 300. And behind that phalanx of riot police is the company Quibi. Yeah, it's, it's another one of these dumb things that we do. But like the, the only way that we can relate this to current events is that this is this is what all of this like all of this terror and this violence is in service of doing is you create this white privilege and the privilege to do what well it, to enjoy quibby to enjoy quibs yeah yeah we need we, we must preserve rampant brutal structural <laughs> inequality yeah. so that there can be a dynamic startup economy and that creators are rewarded which means what we get is quibby yeah, this is Quibi. this is the culture that you're willing to kill 
and kill and kill for, and it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, as Martin Luther King said, I have a dream that, uh, you know, the children will be able to watch, you know, eight to ten minute videos of premium <laughs> content on their phone. And only their phone. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, right? Here's what's going to happen. Today, we are talking about Quibi, the company, how it arose, the strange circumstances of its creation, and why bizarre companies like Quibi and WeWork and all the other ones we talk about are so inexorably linked to inequality. And then, on the bonus episode this week, we've gotten our friends Bryn and Chris from Beat Beep Lettuce, and we've actually watched a bunch of Quibi shows. Um, and we actually recorded that already, so they're infecting our brains. Oh yeah, uh, so that's if, be if you hear any days. jokes about golden arms, they will make sense to you when you listen to that, the fun episode. Yes, exactly. The fun zone. Uh, so, what we're going to do is this. We're going to do a deep dive on this weird company as a kind of stand-in for the phenomenon of large, strange, but bizarrely well-funded, but poorly thought-out companies generally. Talk about why these keep happening more and more and more, and why they're inexorably bound up with awful and worsening inequality. So, with that in mind, let us begin. Let us quib. Let us. Mm. Qu- are we ready to quib? Are we, we, are, ready we are ready to quib? to quib. We will bow our heads and quib. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, Quibi. What is it? Uh-huh. Quibi. The pitch. I watched. Quibi. I watched an hour of it for the for the bonus episode, and I still don't know that I can give you a satisfactory answer. So Quibi, as you would hear, its um, founder and CEO, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, uh, explain it to you, is a mission to, quote, rebrand idle time as quick bites or quibbies of media consumption. If it's quick bites, wouldn't that be quibby? I'll give like, you a billion dollars to not ask that question again. <laughs> quibi. <laughs> We've seen here a number of quibi. Uh, a selection. <laughs> a selection of qui- Do you think of their meetings? They have to wait for quiborum. I was waiting for that. It's it's kind of like, you know, um, sir, let me show you a collection of our finest quibs. They were grown in the most unique of microclimates. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, the Rolex guy comes out with a bunch of quibs on on like a pillow and like a vitrine. And you were just like, they were were cultivated on the side of the Niagara, on the side of Niagara Falls, which is hot. (laughs) I love a quibby sommelier. Yeah, that's right. So Mm. the quibby sommeliers who have been bringing us this content. Are there two of them? Jeffrey Katzenberg, the former CEO of um, DreamWorks, which he co-founded with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen, um, and uh, just posting the eye emoji, yeah, size massive, <laughs> and uh, and so that's him. So he's like a big Hollywood studio guy, and then former CEO of eBay HP and the former Republican um, candidate for Cal- gov- candidate for governor in California in 2010, who failed. Meg Whitman, so like a state-level Carly Fiorina. I was about to say, I recognize that career track. They put Carly Fiorina in the, in the Xerox machines at Xerox, and this yeah, is what right. came out. So that basically, Jeffrey Katzenberg had this idea. He went to go to Meg Whitman, uh, and they said, what if we rebranded Idle Time by creating small bits of media that, they could, that they, people could consume while queuing up for coffee? Being I love to rebrand time. Yeah, that's wait. Did they, said, did they say queuing up for coffee? They said in line for coffee, but the who, whatever, who, who, who has an eight-minute line for coffee? Quibbing yeah, up, freaking please. millennials. I, I mean, I know, I know, I know the problem here. Yeah. I know the problem here is that they cannot say things for you to watch while you shit. But that <laughs> seems like the only niche, right? Like, 
Well, well no, this is what happened. What happened really is they listened. Shit is a quip. They, li- they, they listened to Dennis Leary being like, it takes eight minutes to make a freaking coffee nowadays. And they were like, that is eight minutes we could fill. Yeah. Because, because, um, especially if the, especially if like, you know, the working class builder who doesn't drink coffee, according to like the British pundits decides one day that they really want like a strawberry cream whipped frappuccino with, um, extra sprinkles and, you know, all the other bits, which does take eight minutes. So, but that's right. Yeah, this, is, this is for Owen Smith. It's for Owen Smith, who has inadvertently ordered a frothy coffee that he doesn't understand. So, so, in effect, Quibi is both the studio and the distributor. Oh, it's Netflix. Yeah, it's basically a Netflix, but exclusively for your phone. And it does, um, and it's a walled garden of content, again, like Netflix. But instead of what Netflix does is they'll buy a lot of shows like, you know, uh, your friends the, the fucking yeah they'll buy hannah gadsby talking about bodies and spaces for an hour sure. and then mm. for ba- for the sake of balance they'll buy a guy in a leather jacket doing the triggered aids holocaust yeah <laughs> yeah so whereas quibi Both what of they which do, titles have a weird amount of x's in them <laughs> quibi exclusively commissions things that are to be made for quibi and we'll go into why that is later so they don't, so they don't they don't buy they don't buy like they don't option anything. They just like take pictures for quibs themselves. Yes. yes. And these are both series and reality TV and also like movies that are serialized. And so in reality, it's actually a version of Netflix where you can only watch the shows that they make, which are basically the kinds of shows that will be advertised on 30 Rock as jokes just come true. So what this reminds mm-hmm. me of off the, off the bat is Peloton. It's very expensive. Uh, it's very prestigious in the sense of like they're a real studio. They're um they're they're a walled garden. You have to apply to get in and so on, even if it sucks. Yeah. And it's yeah, highly and it highly restricted. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's, it's highly it's like highly eight restricted. Quid a month too, right? Like yeah. it's more than a Netflix subscription, and I, but, I but think also, more than Amazon Prime even. But also, like Peloton, you can't bring in any content from the outside, right? So. All of this happened. It was given a $2 billion valuation before it launched. Uh, And then, uh, now, around a month after launch, Quibi on the App Store is less popular than Super Slime Simulator and uh, Bald Booth, an app that shows you pictures of what you would look like if you were bald. Yeah, so the front-facing camera for me. Yeah, what if that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like, hmm, I, I could fill my time either by watching this uh, this show about building celebrity dog houses, or I can see what I would look like as a character from the Star Trek Mirror Universe. Getting getting oh. really addicted to Super Slime Simulator sounds like something <laughs> that I would do. Building yeah, a yeah. building a celebrity dog house that they have to go to whenever they get cancelled. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Mr. Spacey back show. in the house. Yeah. So, um, I that's uh, by way of introduction. That's what it is. I think everyone kind of is familiar with it. I've actually, again, done the thing where I've done the research, uh, going back into the articles from when it was still in the hype phase. Mm. So mostly people mm. talk to Katzenberg. They, they talk to Whitman as well, but Katzenberg is the big name. He says, no one is doing what we're doing today. Uh, he says he believes that Quibi will usher in what he calls the, quote, third generation of film narrative. <laughs> These guys, I love these guys so much. They always convince themselves that they're going to invent like the end of TV. Yeah. So he says the first generation was the rise of film as a medium in the 20s. The second, the rise of serialized TV content in the mid-century. 
And the third generation is a hybrid of the two, (laughs) whereby stories that are between two and four hours total are broken up into chapters between seven and ten minutes that consumers can watch on the go. Or shitting, while shitting, while you shit. Also, it sounds like, like the same logic that was applied to the fun-sized chocolate bar, where they were just yes. like, I don't know, what if we make it smaller and then it's fun? Like, they didn't consult anyone. As, Who ever thought having less chocolate was fun? Well, also, like, what, do you think that, like, I don't know, YouTube or Netflix doesn't have a pause button? Like, that I'm like, ah, I'm queuing up for this coffee. I'm going to watch this YouTube video. I hope it's exactly the amount of time it takes to queue up for this coffee, because I won't Look, be able is, to pause is, it and watch this it later. This is the third phase of media, right? Like, yeah. he, this dude is, he is Liquid Snake, right? He is talking like a Metal Gear Solid villain. We're going to, like, we're going to activate the Quibi project here. Liquid Snake. That's an episode title. That has to be an episode title. It's also like just off the bat, like it completely. If this is really a see, um, a type of platform designed for people while they take a shit, which like I, you know, I'm I'm all for that as someone who shits regularly and also spends a lot of time <laughs> on their phone. But it completely misinterprets like what people actually want from their content when they shit, which is something that's like not it's something like that's fairly passive and like fairly like. You don't really have to think too much about it because you're already investing a lot of time into like pooping, right? Especially like mm. if you're pooping in public, in like a public, uh, in a public toilet or something like that. Yeah, as so as as a toilet user, I don't. I wanna, agree. I don't want to watch prestige TV <laughs> while no. I'm taking a shit, right? I don't want to. You don't want to be thinking about idea. like the mise en scene uh, <laughs> while you're shitting. You want to be basically. You want to be on Twitter. Which, trust me, trust me, with Quibi, you will not be thinking about the mise en scène. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, no like, mise has been on send, do not this worry. This just belies such a colossal misunderstanding of how media has changed in the last 10 to 15 years, where, like, he thinks that somehow what, the format is that, like, all the stuff you see on TV has to change in terms of its length, as opposed to this, like, actual tangible transformation of media Right. That actually has occurred where it's become much more like people making stuff for one another as opposed to um, a studio commissioning yeah. a sitcom, but then like, cutting it up different. Well, well, we'll get to this in when we talk about some of the shows specifically, but it is such an analytical, like, they've looked at YouTube, clearly, and been like, ah, the average person watches five minutes of a YouTube video, so they must want five minutes of content, because after that five minutes, mm. they don't move on to something else, they just dust off their hands theatrically and go, ah, oh, yes, good content. Um, and yeah, they, but they, they, YouTube videos are horrifying. Yeah, and they've like they've got that part, and then not any of the part about what the content of those videos is. So, like, if this was based off of YouTube patterns, I mean, t- okay, two thirds of it would be fascism, but the other third of it would be like a guy who like painstakingly restores old Tonka trucks in total silence, or like <laughs> Ian McCollum from Forgotten Weapons, or that guy who like eats old army rations. What they what they haven't realized, right, is that is that the thing that changed TV, the thing that changed media, is that it's possible to hyper target everything because everyone is choose everyone is able to choose in a very fine way what they what they consume, which means that the whole concept of like a network that makes a, that makes like high production values uh, shows trying to respond to that it's ludicrous. But I have more about Katzenberg. Katzenberg says, I've been a startup guy my whole life, 
who on the day he was being interviewed was very much dressed the part in black jeans, a black shirt, and spotless white shell toe sneakers. Cool. So that's all I need to know. Two billion dollars. Oh, cool, dude. <laughs> Love this back guy. When, wow. Back when he was Disney's number two and then co-founded with Spielberg and Geffen. Uh, I, DreamWorks, I emoji. Giant I emoji. Uh, Kassenberg was known to reply to emails by fax. But now he begins sounding <laughs> like a silicon. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty Chad, to be honest. If I could, yeah, that is I true. That, that, that's the kind of shit that you do when you're in a position where like they can't fire you for your like obstinacy. It's like it's like novelists when they get successful who are like like Cormac McCarthy writes everything with a typewriter because he's too successful for his agent or his publisher to be like, you fucking dumbass, don't do that shit. That's incredibly irritating. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I'm only gonna send in my quib notes on like a pneumatic tube that I have specially installed for so, the purpose. But- well, because in faxing, it, like you pay by the length of the thing, right? So it encourages you to be shorter. So it is, in a way, the quib of the email. <laughs> right. So now he begun sounding like a Silicon Valley founder, his patter pitted with talk of, quote, scale, product, and learnings. I love without, the learnings. Uh, without irony, he suggested <laughs> that one of Quibi's goals was to change the world. We don't save people's lives, he said, but if we succeed, we'll make people's lives better. Cultural <laughs> learnings of America for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan. That's what it's for. <laughs> there you go. We don't save people's lives, but if we succeed, we make people's lives better. And that's the best way I can think of to use the billions of dollars that went into making the app that's been downloaded by like 10 people that allows you to watch uh, the show about celebrity dog houses because I someone mean, thought that that was popular on YouTube. I have to be honest, having watched an hour of it, it did not make my life appreciably better. What it no. did was give me, oh. it gave me a series of jokes that I could make on a podcast with my friends. Alice, um, I disagree. It's made my life a lot better. The fucking <laughs> thing with the golden arm, I like, we have not stopped quoting that. Like, Eric, listen to the, the premium episode to hear about why we keep talking about the golden arm. Yeah, also, again, like, this just goes to show the extent to which being a tech company, which means having an insane valuation, is just aesthetics. And again, Hmm. to sort of bring this back around into, like, into perspective here, this isn't going to stop. This is going to keep happening and and getting worse, where the productive resources of, of, of everybody is going to be directed towards this sort of insane, fanciful ramblings of some like boomer executives who've decided that oh what if we made the TV short? Yeah, that's why it's a trash future. That is that is our wheelhouse. Is that you? You're like the extent to which you have a privilege. It's going to be directed into something ridiculous. You can go to a bar, but it will have a ball pit in it. You can watch TV, but it will be an eight minute segment. You can like you can check when your parcels are there with a remote doorbell, but also it's going to call the cops on people at random. Yeah, listen, uh, I only so, feel safe in a ball pit if it's protected by at least four police snipers, and that's just how it be. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, Quibi the company. Antifa could put bricks in the ball pit. What then? Uh, so this is about <laughs> Quibi the company. So, uh, a, a lot of this is from different articles in The Verge, Vox, and other, other outlets. While Quibi may have one foot firmly planted in old Hollywood, it's 225 strong staff. What? How? Explain uh, how it has studio- one foot planted firmly oh, in old Hollywood. Oh, Alice, Alice, I'll tell you, its studio is there. Oh, okay, okay. cool. 
Also, that so. just makes it sound like it's doing some shady shit. Like, I don't think yeah. old Hollywood has, like, any... Like, what are the associations, like, racism and paedophilia? Like, is that what you're going for? Yeah, it's it's forcing its stars back into the closet and into, like, unhappy marriages with each yeah. other. And, like, having people and, murdered and stuff. And how things have changed! Anyway, <laughs> its staff of 225 is made up overwhelmingly of the sort of bright young people iterating the future at startups in Silicon Valley. Katzenberg made sure to note that his team's diversity numbers are are high and the ages are low, while taking pains to emphasize that more than 50% of the staff are women. Mm. And what strikes me, right, again, is like, yeah, he's hired a lot of uh, younger people uh, and like non-white people and stuff to I mean, junior roles my, in the company, but all the strategic decision makers are like in their 60s still. Well, like, That's my, how my, this my, my, edgy, my edgy joke for this is that like if the writer's room is more than 50% women, then like the chuds are right. Women really aren't funny because I've, we watch this shit and it's all terrible. Uh, yeah. So, we need to be the audience, Katzenberg explains. To capture a young, ethnically diverse audience, Quibi is presenting itself as a young, ethnically diverse mm. company. Young people love golden arms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every, <laughs> what, is an, what is an ethnically diverse company? Like, not diverse in its employees, but in and of itself, Quibi, the app, is ethnically diverse. Yeah, well, mm. it's, it, I mean, it's, purple. it's the we same the thing. thing about, like, you know, uh, black, white. Oh, fuck, yeah. Cat. Yeah. And also, it's the same thing as, as, again, it's just, it's a matter of branding. It's this assumption, and again, we'll see this when we go through some of the show summaries, which we will this episode. It's a matter of, they, and I feel like what they've done is they have assumed that if they just put all the right parts together, mm. um, then what will happen is out of it will flow something creative, something it's, that is creatively fulfilling yeah. and successful. You, you know what it is? It's it's like a corporate persona. Like it, 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 it's just making me think of the fan art of Thomas Jefferson as a black trans man that somebody drew on Tumblr oh, for Hamilton. Oh no! Oh, I know. So I brought bad. that. I bring this up on every podcast I'm on. I brought Ooh. it up on There's Your Problem too. Ooh. And like J Justin was like, "No, I will not put a slide of that up because it is no, psychic no. violence." So if, if Hamilton had been a Quibi show, it would have been no better than most of the other stuff on Quibi. <laughs> Literally true, yeah. So during yeah. a visit to the Quibi office, a visitor might see a broad city co-creator deciding to forego samples from the colossal wall of free candy in the waiting area. But did they buy Notch's old candy wall? <laughs> or basic cable veterans dressed down in jeans and sneakers holding stand-up meetings with painfully hip younger colleagues around a ping-pong table. Painfully what? hip. Crazy. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love to look. This is not a sign of a bubble at all. It's yeah. like, I, I absolutely do not believe that Warren Buffett predicts <laughs> boom and bust cycles I, I, based I, I, on ping pong sales. I just need to say something for a second, because I know that like we're speaking about, okay, all these things are basically like, these are all kind of like the monikers of a startup that's going to fail before it starts. But it's like, if you're going to do this in the year of like 2019 or to, to like 2020 or whatever, like, did you forget what year it is? Yes, time doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> that I'm is also, true. I'm, but I'm also aware that Quibi, like, probably, like, the development stage was probably, like, 2019 or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, um, we'll, we'll go through that. Right. So, if you're going to, like, run a startup at this, like, at this particular time, like, why don't you just update the tropes, right? Why does it have to be, you know, why a ping pong table? Why can't it be, um, I don't know, like, uh, at least, like, f I guess, like, foosballs also. 
um, yeah. outdated. Yeah, well, I mean, well, this is the thing. None of them are creative enough to know how to update them, just like us, because we're struggling to, to complete this riff. And oh, because, fuck, that would be good. And because of the whole notion that, like, this is kind of, this is a, this is a video streaming platform that works on a principle that I thought that we disproved in 2015, which is that short content really doesn't kind of bring up the dividends that, like, boomers seem to think it does. But well, they've basically just like gone back to 2013 and been like, yeah, well, startups were good then, so they must be good now. Mm. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because that this, a lot of how these companies attract these ludicrous valuations is actually through shit like the ping pong tables. Yeah, it's vibes. <laughs> That's why yeah. Jeffrey Katzenberg mm. is wearing sneakers. Well, it's, it's that. And also, it's a, it's a cargo cult because all of this is just a confidence trick. By some like by some rich people against a bunch of other rich people to take the first group of rich people's money, like it is purely a confidence trick. Um, it's just in, in this case, Quibi is a very stupid one. Um, so it's how like trying, to do, trying to do the the like ball under the cup thing, but you like immediately fumble all three cups. To me, it makes sense. They're making eight minute long pieces of content because that is the memory span of everyone who works there and everyone that it's aimed at. I mean, to be, like, how are you going to, you know, enjoy a program if you can't remember what happened at the start? You won't. Case closed. Yeah, you, you can't enjoy like TV unless you do the thing where like you annoy everyone you're watching prestige TV with by being like, who's that? What happened last time? Who's what's that guy? But yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? Uh, let's talk about how it's funded. It's funded by a consortium of investment banks, media companies, and ultra-high-net-worth individuals like Steven Spielberg. The eye's opening. My third eye is opening. (laughs) (laughs) Spielberg uh, is directing uh, a show called After Dark, which is a horror series that will only be available to watch after sundown in whatever time zone you're in. (laughs) What a fucking (laughs) conceit that is. I I love it when I go on horror Ramadan. well, it's, it, again, if you cannot continue to make to make something that is, uh, let's say, interesting because of what it is or its content, then you're just going to have to put in more gimmicks. Hmm. It's nothing but gimmicks. It's great. Yeah. Damn. Also, I mean, like, what if you live in the polar ice cap? I mean, what then? You, you also, fucking cannot watch Steven Spielberg for like six months of the year. Yeah. It, uh, well, but that's that's the thing, right? It's all you know how to do is restrict. So it's, oh, what if we tell them what they can't do? We'll tell them what they can't do with this other thing, which is watching a terrible Steven Spielberg movie <laughs> that was made for $10. Um, <laughs> hang on a second. At, While at, I'm at unraveling noon. this red string, can you just tell me what time sundown is in the American Virgin Islands? <laughs> uh, so, uh, it raised, as we know, it raised a billion dollars against a $2 billion valuation. And so its investors included Disney, NBC, Sony, Warner, Liberty Global, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and also Alibaba, which was itself funded by SoftBank. Huh. Uh, oh, damn. So I thought you meant couple... the 40 Thieves guy for a second. So a <laughs> well, Jack Ma kind of comes close. A couple of SoftBank dollars may have ended up in this, but it wasn't directly funded by SoftBank. Mm. And crucially, they've also reached a lot of bundling agreements with different mobile phone providers. So in many cases, you have Quibi whether you want it or not. You pay oh, cool. for it. It's like contract. Windows. I mean, this was if this was a good move for Bill Gates in 1995, where you just buy your personal computer and you get Windows on it, then this is a good move for Quibi because an operating system that everything on your computer runs through is exactly like an app that you can forget exists. Well, I mean, if you want to take that a little bit further, right? Like Windows, like the business practices of Microsoft, as we've talked about in the past, have been horrible. 
Mm. Um, they've been incredibly monopolistic. It's been very extractive. It's been an awful company. But like, at least the thing that they forced everyone to have was like functional. Oh, I, I I know some people who would argue with you about yeah. that one. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a great operating system, but at least you can do something on it. Like at least it works. Mm. With, with Quibi, the thing you're forced to have is just nothing. It's, yeah, it's, it's incoherent. Nothing. Yes, exactly. Like, even when when Excel doesn't work, right? You still get what they're trying to do. You can attempt a spreadsheet. You like you can't attempt to watch a show on Quibi because it just feels like your brain is melting out of your ears. Quibi, Quibi is like pure Yoko Ono shit. Like every single show is like yes. the weirdest beatnik outsider. It's, it art. is a pint of perfume with garnished with a single olive served in a man's hat. <laughs> so we could also ask why was it so heavily funded by these people? Because um, they're, they're idiots, and also they need a lot of money to just throw around on dumb shit like this? Yeah, well, there's two levels of reasoning there, right? And the, mm. the second one, the one I think is actually operational, we're going to get to towards the end, which is that the zero, it's at, in a world of low interest rates, things like this happen. However, mm. the ostensible reason is that a few months after Quibi was founded, but before it got all of its funding, one of the most popular industry analysts in the TV industry, uh, called Thinkbox, reported that short watching sessions, averaging 2 to 15 minutes, dominate, and platforms are selected based on viewing context and time available. Short videos, generally under 5 minutes in duration, are actively selected based on taste and interest of the user rather than the passive serving of content. And oh, they're doing humor, analytics again, but that doesn't account for, like, that's just Spider's Georg reasoning. It's so specious. And they say, humor, short TV, film, or sports highlights, games, and music dominate this need state. So, need I mean, state. what, what, yeah, that, this is just industry analyst talk. Um, but it, effectively, um, one, one analyst report, my hypothesis goes, uh, which just created a lot of enthusiasm because there was a realization that it was a possibility of monopolizing this time, uh, for, because they, they saw that like YouTube and Netflix don't overdetermine. YouTube and Netflix are, are not really competing for the same amount of time. Uh, and so they said, what if we were the Netflix of that amount of time? So they mm. thought that there was this massive opening in the market because they just I don't, had a first draft of an idea. Yeah, because people are going to want to, like, I, they don't understand that, like, the currency of that is very low. That if you watch a YouTube video for three to five minutes while you're shitting, you're not going to pay to do that. It's just something that you you do to have on while you're shitting, right? Yes, but what if Steven Spielberg said when you could watch it? Uh, what if you had prestige shits? Yes. What if yeah, you had have to shit after sunset? Otherwise, it's really boring. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the business model. Wait, hang on, uh, I've already actually... come up with a better idea than this. It's a it's a system that's built into your microwave, okay? And whatever time <laughs> okay. you set it to microwave for, it finds you a show of exactly that length that you then watch while your food is microwave. Some dragon's den shit. I'm in yeah. on this one, hundred yeah. yes. percent. We're all in. So it can be pornography. Can you never know. It, you get no choice <laughs> over the genre. <laughs> well, no, what, no, I don't want to take the risk of it being a quibby. Just keep microwaving things for exactly the length of two girls, one cup. <laughs> no. It's let's a diet about, program. Let's talk about the business model. Uh, the way, quibby makes money in two ways, or it proposes to make money in two ways. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> it sells mm. subscriptions to. Uh, as this is aside from bundling, which we've already addressed. 
uh, because then you just get lump sums for bundling because then the phone contract providers will say, okay, well, yeah, we're going to put that in our contract and maybe it'll be attractive to some people. So the other parts of the revenue model are we sell subscriptions to individuals. So Eight you know, quid people, a month. Eight quid like, a month. Yeah, quit a minute. What I'm saying is you could subscribe to Trash Future for less than half of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like if you want to, you can get the same experience by listening to our bonus episodes for eight minutes at a time, pausing yeah. and then getting up and walking around and then listening to another eight minutes. So it sells subscriptions to individuals uh, for uh, four pounds ninety nine. So for four pounds ninety nine with ads and eight pounds without ads, and then it sells ad space. So it's projections. Uh, were for 7 million subscribers in year one, 16 million in year three, uh, and then revenue projected at a total of 400 million with 250 million from subscriptions and 150 million from ads. Where I assume did they get these numbers from? A, a dream? Uh, the number maybe some kind of, actually, kind of, kind some of, kind of fugue state? I sort of have something more to say about this because, again, it's sort of like... Oh, this is such a stupid concept. It's such a stupid concept. <laughs> like they sort of defeat themselves. They're like shadow boxing themselves because the whole point of these fucking shows is that they're supposed to be shows that you watch between advertisements, right? So it's kind hmm. of like I, you know, if I'm taking my shitting, like my, my kind of like if I'm going to take a dump and I want to watch a show about a golden wanking arm while I take this dump, <laughs> I don't want to watch an ad before then, right? Like no. I'm trying and, to get like, away from those ads. You're giving what, me one of the one, one of the one of their use cases. I think was that you could watch a quib during the commercial break of like a big TV show, like which is insane. But right. like also, you, you would then have to like watch an ad while you were watching an ad in order to watch the quib oh, during Alice, the ads. Oh, Alice, 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 you poor fool! We could simply monopolize that space of watching the quib with another even smaller bit of content. <laughs> just like it's it's just smaller screens all the way down. It's like, it's, it's what's it so, called? It's, it's a it's like a, it's like a babushka, right? Hmm. While the ad, while the ad on the quib is playing, you just watch something even shorter, like a TikTok or a Vine, on your watch. Um, what wh uh, what you're doing while while that while the ad for that is playing, I don't want to speculate. Uh, so here's let's talk a little more about sales. Quibi actually did sell all 150 million dollars worth of its ad space to Google, P and G, Pepsi, Walmart. Uh, progressive awesome. Insurance yeah. and AB InBev. Yeah, but it's that's not how an that's not how an ad buy works, though. Like, exactly, th they'll pay you something up front, which like makes Quibi very successful by the standards of this show because they have mm. actually taken in some money. But that's then right. the rest of it depends on how many people actually see it, and fewer people are seeing it than are currently making themselves bald. So here's the yeah. thing, Alice. I really I have hope the that numbers. all the ads are just going to be like, you know, hot singles in your area, local mom <laughs> shit, you know, like yeah, the Rainforest Plus. Lo lo local yeah. singles in your area have golden arms and want to meet you. Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Because Google, Procter & Gamble, Pepsi, and so on, because all of those contracts that they've signed with Quibi will have will have break clauses in them based on viewership numbers, we may very well, or we won't, but the 10 people who watch Quibi will see ads for hot singles in their area when inevitably these companies pull, um, sever their relationships. Now, Quibi has been downloaded a total of 3.5 million times as reported by the company, but an independent analyst said it was closer to probably 2.3 million. 
And even yeah, then, numbers don't numbers don't mean anything. Like two two thirds of that is just like bot factories in Kazakhstan, where a guy exactly. just is paid nothing to swipe a bunch of phones at once. We just so, were watching Classy's Court. Active users. <laughs> Active the, the, the woman has golden arm, and and uh, she she's buried with golden no arm. No one knows about the golden arm yet. Chris's Chrissy's so. court is actually the legal system in Kazakhstan. Chrissy <laughs> Teigen is assisted by Nusultan Nazarbayev. <laughs> now, all of that will make sense if you listen to the Patreon episode. This, yeah, this is this is no, a that, good that business. Part won't make sense. It's no, it's it's like a, it's a better business model than Quibi, and it's one that I I like to think that I invented with the Pennsylvania Secret Service joke that you can only get on Trash Future if you listen to the Patreon episode, but we keep referencing it, so you mm. have to, so you don't feel like a rube. So, here's the thing. The 3.5 to 2.3 million uh, users is actually being estimated at about 1.3 million actual active users. So, mm. I'm going to do a little bit of maths here. That is $115 of committed but not um, dispensed advertising spend by each sponsor per active user. To be wow. fair, if you are paying for Quibi, you are clearly a fucking rube. So you're probably That's like true. incredibly rich pickings for advertisers. Like, oh, well, maybe I need a kettle that can send emails. I don't know. <laughs> and and uh, furthermore, it has a, a Wall Street value, a company valuation of $1,346 per active user. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, great. <laughs> you just you, your time is worth uh, $1,300 to them. It's like, uh, that, that's like a thousand. That is approximately, I don't know, what like, um, what like. It's like two Xboxes. No, it's like 900 times as valuable as Facebook <laughs> users. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, oh, God, I, I, I am but a simple country quip maker. I do not know. This company, uh, ever since my great-great-grandfather, Sir Reginald Quibus, uh, we have... <laughs> The image of a quib farmer, like just in overalls watching the quibs come up. Now, he always believed, he always believed that the devil worked in eight minute intervals. And so we had to take up the minds (laughs) of the common people for those periods. Just just tending a little plant that as it grows is just some like A-list star from 10 years ago completely phoning in a performance yeah, you just in a like, horror story. You, you, like, you unearth this beautiful little shooting at the top of it, you're just like, oh, it's Alana Glazer. I wonder what she's up to. Oh, this, yeah. I guess. Uh, how? So here's the other thing. Where we talk about fake tech companies, uh, the th- question I always like to ask is, how is it ostensibly a tech company? Because it'd Not- be on your phone. <laughs> Again, yeah. that is, no, that's like the real answer. The real, the real answer is purely that they're on their phone and they have a ping pong table and they've called themselves a tech company. Their case for how they're a tech company is they have a proprietary technology that's been described as their secret weapon called Turnstile. Because if you remember, uh, Turnstile, Quibi is on your phone and only your phone. And your phone can turn in one of two directions. It can? Yeah. A whole new world has opened up for me. <laughs> so how is Quibi going to deal with not with enabling you to watch in both orientations without black bars on the side? Again, this idea is worth $2 billion. Um, so Turnstile, they say, enables new forms of storytelling. Uh, okay. Do you want to know how? I, I'm going to tell you how. You turn the phone. It, well... In a Steven Soderbergh-produced Quibi series called Wireless, 
the viewer has to switch okay. between showing the action in landscape mode and then looking at the character's phone screen in portrait mode. Oh, so it's annoying. Oh, good. <laughs> Do you remember that oh, one interactive so episode of Black Mirror that like got a bunch of awards and no one fucking likes because you're just playing a game when you want to watch TV? Yeah, what if that but without the award? Let me get this straight. Their whole like their whole kind of their belief that they're in tech comes from the idea that the kind of tech IP that they have is the most fucking annoying thing that they that the app has to offer, which is either the portrait or landscape mode. Mm. They're also being sued for that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Cool. Great. This is worth $2 billion? Yeah, $2 billion. Also, like, I I hate watching shit in portrait mode. It's such a bad orientation. There's a reason why TV is a landscape. They could have put it in phone aspect ratio, but made everything landscape. They could have done this. They chose not to. I think we we spoke about this in the bonus episode that, by the way, you should sign up to the Patreon for. But, like, in both portrait and landscape mode, like, you don't actually get the full picture of anything. No, it cuts off bits in both. Yeah, like, you, I, you have to watch each quib twice to yeah. see 80% of the screen. Because all I'm going to say is that I watched, I chose Chrissy's court to watch because I wanted to see those feet and I didn't get to see them. Like, I was behind a desk <laughs> most of the time. I didn't get to see any feet. It was definitely not. Well, you could see, to be fair. You could see Nusultan Nazarbayev's feet, though, to be fair. So yeah. six out of 10 overall. And, and to be fair, in the British legal system, the judges do go barefoot. Uh, and they are going to have a plexiglass uh, dais. No, but so here's the other thing about turnstile, right? Is that it means that you have to shoot everything twice, <laughs> like what? at once. So you shoot what? it twice at once, uh, and then they they have to complete a version in both for- portrait and landscape format. So why? That even though you use well because of the technology, Alice, because then people will use yeah. it and the value yeah, it'll, it'll generate value for the shareholders. It's double as gooder. Yeah. But you can, turn, you can turn your phone around when you're watching YouTube and it will just like give you black bars or whatever. And it's you get to see all of the image without them having to film everything twice. Well, it's not that they have to film it in two different takes. It's that they need to have... No, no, nothing on Quibi required two takes. <laughs> Absolutely that, not. What has it's to definitely happen. not the script writing sessions. Instead, what has to happen is that two cameras shoot everything simultaneously. Oh my god, that's beautiful! I love it. We have to use the fucking like ColecoVision as camera to film everything. It's great. And so what that means is that it can be cost up to one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars per minute per scripted shows, which is what? just over. That's just it for context. That's just over a third of Game of Thrones's per minute cost, which is the most expensive show in history. Yeah, but, and all of the shows that we saw looked incredibly cheap. Yeah, and, you can like see the money when yeah, you watch Game of Thrones, and, but with this, it's if it's a th- more than a third is expensive. But you yeah, just see like yeah, I don't know, and, fucking a lot of glazers sleepwalk through a scene. And, but they t- that because yeah. it's the studio system, all of that cost is absorbed by Quibi. They're paying themselves to do that. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I mean, basically, you're paying eight quid a month to watch TikToks that have been made by the people who write Amy Schumer movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically... I hate how fair that is. So, what happens is, yeah, 
you get a tremendous piece of capitalist efficiency where the cost of making each show to all of the creative people working on it is very low. We'll explain how that works later. And yet it's somehow ridiculously expensive because, again, like a couple of just ancient decrepit people had this ludicrous idea of how how to try to rebrand idle time. And I, I, I haven't I know we talk a lot of times about like the first drafts of an idea. It feels to me like fucking Katzenberg and Whitman were talking to one another over lunch about how they could make people watch video on their phones and like, you know, try to make that into a business and then kind of spent the amount of time it took to walk back from lunch to the office to solve all the problems that would come up with that. This feels like just they never stepped back and looked at the whole thing. And it's like, well, of course, we're going to need to film with two separate cameras. catapulting the cost into the stratosphere of making all this stuff because obviously like that problem couldn't possibly be solved another way and it's also not a problem that could just be avoided it is as someone who looks a lot at all of these like private sector big big scale private sector fuck-ups and how they're enabled by just the sheer impunity and just the pure just like weaponized idiocy of the of like bosses it is just it hurts looking at the lunacy that is tied up in this awful yeah i mean we love to film i mean the thing is though the shows on quibi are so good they deserve to be filmed twice like Mm. you will need to you will need to watch them twice to fully understand what has happened (laughs) you'll need to watch them twice to believe that this is genuinely the premise of the show every single premise of every show sounds like a riff I mean, we well, would do. Yeah. We're going to talk about some premises. The more I think about Quibi, the more I just think about these are just like these are people who have far too much money, obviously, but we just have no idea how people watch stuff on their phones generally. Like it kind of you know you know that thing that happened um, last year about like that the bit about like guys who were trying to watch The Irishman, like the three hour long irishman movie oh yeah 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 and how it was like it kind of became a bit because people were so sort of invested in wanting to finish a um, scorsese movie um that they were like going into the toilets during like family christmas or thanksgiving to watch it um (laughs) that was like a funny story but it also kind of like picked up on this very important thing which is that length of stuff doesn't matter but also really like the cinematic quality doesn't really necessarily matter either so the idea that like Quibi kind of looked at all the sort of trends in visual and broadcast media and were like, okay, the things that people want are things that are like really high definition on your phone that you can watch in portrait or landscape mode, but um, because that's the most important thing to you, that it's mm-hmm. really, really short because you have a short attention span um, so that you can kind of continue watching two shows at once. And ultimately, you can watch these things on your phone and basically do nothing else. Yeah, mm. That's right. Mm. And uh, also, you pointed out the ways in which that it's quite limited. Uh, they've, they've had very little understanding of how people actually consume media. They also have very little understanding of how people, how media becomes popular. Because right. the other technical innovations, in addition to turnstile, this ludicrous and unnecessary <laughs> piece of technology, is that they have completely disabled any kind of sharing of this content. You can't screenshot it, you can't record it, and you can't cast it to anything other than the phone it's subscribed on because they're so paranoid about someone just like 
making the golden arm story free on youtube yeah no fan cams no screenshots (laughs) absolutely do not attempt to build a community around this app in fact someone once did they made a podcast that was just about everybody's doing that these days following quibi (laughs) it was specifically about quibi and they threatened legal action against them just very normal stuff What, wait, what? They, they the threatened, oh my god, this reminds They threatened to sue somebody for making a podcast about. Holy shit, we ought to cancel this episode. <laughs> this reminds me of that uh, thing that happened on Twitter not that long ago when everyone was getting mad at Owen Jones because he screenshotted like a really important article about. I can't remember. I think it was like about NHS cuts or something like that, but it was like yeah, a really important like article from the Times. And this conversation that was supposed to be like about bringing people together to kind of comment about government injustice became one about newspapers and how you know screenshotting is actually stealing and you should subscribe to the whole newspaper and yeah and you should steal owen jones's book was the thing that they were quibby's kind of thing is that like and i i kind of always wanted to build up on my last point which was it's all well and good if um you're creating high quality content that's really high quality in every aspect so that like you're demanding people's full attention right so like if someone watches the irishman on their phone like okay, it's this long movie, but they're paying attention to it because there's a premium element to that. That's not the case with any Quibi show at all, right? No. Quibi shows are designed to be like- Which is weird. It's weird because they have names attached to them, like Steven Spielberg or uh, Soderbergh or like fucking- Ilana Glazer. Ilana Glazer. And yet, there is nothing that when you're watching them leads you to think, oh, this is some fucking primo content. I'll tell you why. It's that- Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I just think that this could have been a really good, like, this could have been, like, I'm not going to say it's really good, but it would, it would have been better if Quibi just sort of accepted that this is sort of, like, lowbrow entertainment, and this would work really well if it was just, like, something passive that people could do. But the fact that, like, yes. demanding full attention for Chrissy's court is just, like... Yeah, you're uh, totally right. You're totally right. It, th- this is the point that I was I was tentatively making earlier is that like when when you're shitting when you're watching YouTube for like uh, five minutes or whatever that's such low value in terms of your like your attention and the priority you give it. Like if Quibi had been an app where you like you press the play button and it sends it serves you a random video of a guy getting hit in the nuts with something, <laughs> it would be yeah. worth those two billion dollars. Yes, hundred percent. Put um, the Milo yeah, Rand in Quibi. Yeah, it just plays you a single beautiful jackass segment from back in the day. Well, that's the thing, right? Oh, yeah. This is this is a this is a company that has made every correct marketing decision. Uh, It's made uh, many correct staffing decisions. It's just that it's as as I think, especially like media and storytelling, is absorbed more into say the, the the this mode, the sort of the 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 capital mode as the culture industry if you like proceeds apace then mm. the the actual thing that's being made is far less important Wait a second are you suggesting that there is a, a tendency of the rate of cultural value to fall <laughs> i am but speaking of which i would like to talk mm. now about some example shows because quibi has tried to create um uh, shows in a bunch of ways they firstly they feel like everything they make has to be a competitor to network television, so they've like done a lot of news or whatever, um, and a lot of it's prestige TV or takes on prestige TV. Mm. Uh, but also, it's telling that a lot of what Quibi did was just option a bunch of movie scripts and then make them into Quibi shows. So one, Dummy, which is about Dan Harmon's sex doll that I'll be talking about in the bonus episode. Yeah, what? 
was made yeah. over the course of 18 days. They just optioned the script and made it in 18 days. Donald Logue plays Dan Harmon. Uh, the the, the yeah. Wizzo school of filmmaking. Yeah. And, I'm waiting uh, for the biopic uh, about those 18 days. <laughs> so to gear up for actual to gear up for actual commissioning, what they did was they just basically conducted surveys of people who watched more than an hour of uh, video a week on their phones, then commissioned shows based on that. There's you just nothing, you just surveyed people with irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> well, there's nothing creative going on here. It's purely trying to turn viral videos back into shows. It's just the same um, McDonald's order being passed back and forth between two smart bins. But Quibi, Quibi has yeah. given the Fen- Fenton the dog his own show. So, <laughs> there are going to be a lot more shows under analysis in the bonus, and none of the shows that we talk about here we talk about in the bonus. They're all their own shows. These are other shows. Yeah, this so, is how bad it is. You have this whole tranche of shows enough to outfit two whole episodes. <laughs> so, mm. thanks in, in Thanks a Million, produced by Jennifer Lopez, celebrities kickstart a chain of kindness, each gifting $100,000 to an unsuspecting individual who has had a positive impact on their lives. With the catch so that they pay half of it, With the catch that they pay it forward half each time, and a chain of giving unfolds. So that's just the God's Plan video. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's a show now. Eight minutes long. Eight, eight uh, minutes. And produced by J-Lo, who... Yeah. Uh, what, what does she know about producing TV shows? Why is she... What? Yeah, I don't know. She's just... She know. probably... Just, again, she, she had an idea... take a break from trying to, like, like, monopolize the concept of Christmas to, like, be like, yeah, I'm just gonna do the video for God's Plan. Yeah, she look. She had a uh, she had a, a, a idea once over a lunch, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, I could get Kevin Hart, Aaron Rodgers, Carly Kloss, and Nick Jonas, and and Gabriel Iglesias uh, to like give away a hundred thousand dollars." Literally, I I I used this joke already, but I'm going to reiterate it because it's so apt. Every person that you see on Quibi, including the guests, like genuinely, I was I was seeing guests on stuff who are ringers, who are like professional comedians, who I recognized. Everybody on there, you just look at them, you think, huh, I wonder what they're up to right now, as you're watching them. I wonder what blackmail <laughs> yeah. material Quibi's got on them. <laughs> uh, architecture, which I've referenced before, heartthrob contractor Tyler Cameron. And interior designer Delia Kenza build custom luxury dog houses for the furry friends of celebrity clientele. Uh, Heartthrob contractor. What focus group produced that? Uh, yeah, yeah. dog. Uh, yeah, MTV Quibs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fierce queens. In this nature series, presented by Reese Witherspoon, for some reason. Huh, wonder what she's up to right now. We explore the remarkable females of the animal kingdom. From ants to cheetahs, these ladies call the shots in their world and sit at the top of the social hierarchy, earning them the title Ah, of Aguirre's Queens. Okay, I've I've taken psychic damage. I'm sorry. (laughs) We have now now expanded meaningless girl boss white feminism to the fucking animal kingdom. Are you kidding me? Cheetahs do epic clapbacks. Yeah. Well, again, you can see what this was, right? You were like, Everyone likes Nancy Pelosi doing the, the, the clap back to Donald Trump. Everyone likes David Attenborough's Planet Earth. Yeah. Let's and everybody together. likes Let's that video about the honey badger from 2008, where it's like the honey badger don't give a fuck. Yeah. Mm. And then they just they took that video and they turned it into something that involves celebrities, cost millions of you dollars, can, and is watched you, by fewer people. You can identify the YouTube video that like each of these is 
like an ayahuasca variation of. Here's another one. Do I sit the shape? I, oh. can, I, can, I, can I do my bit before you go on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do the bit. Go off, Kai. Okay. Mm. okay. Um, oh, fuck, where was I going to start? <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to be uh, rescinding my Quibi subscription today um, until Quibi decide that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want them profiting off the work of girl bosses in the animal kingdom. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, cheetah on their board, I will not be watching any of their shows. Yeah, I mean, the uh, thing is, they only get 77% of the antelope meat to the, to the male's hundred. So here, here's another one. The shape of pasta. We're professional chef. <laughs> I love, oh, this is, sorry, I love this is Alan Partridge's Diamo de Toro collaborating with Alan Partridge on that. Uh, uh, the shape of pa- through the ages, different different kinds of pasta. Uh, also, like also we're all cancelled for confusing one. Benicio del Toro with Guillermo del Toro. Oh yeah, no, mm. I was thinking of, ben- of of Guillermo del Toro because like he's like you know he's a he's a big guy. He'd be really excited he's a, he's about the shape guy. of pasta. Yeah, he's a big yeah. guy. The, the shape of pasta is like a euphemism for a fat gut. It's like, yeah, he's got a bit of the shape of pasta. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie about wanting to fuck a creature that lives in a vat of marinara sauce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a woman who takes home and rescues the avatar of NYC Guido voice. <laughs> so yeah. the shape the of pasta. The other night, Mads and I were watching Goodfellas, and I was really tired, and I accidentally called it Bigfellas. <laughs> <laughs> That's like so, the English version of, of Goodfellas. That's yeah. the North FC version. So, big lads. So, shape of pasta. The, this this uh, celebrity chef from LA uh, goes to Italy, and it's about the pursuit of pasta perfection. He's uncovering you know, the craft and culture behind some rare and forgotten pasta shapes. Uh, what? Uh, like rare <laughs> pasta? <laughs> it's like, like, most rare pasta. pasta. But like we can see, we again. This is people watching like three minute clips of Chef's Table or like uh, Test Kitchen or whatever, and it, but the shape of pasta. It just, it's pasta such a that's fucking like the Illuminati eye pyramid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the eldritch pasta that you also, like. Uh, mm. Here's the thing, uh, Milo. I think what you said earlier about Alan Partridge is exactly right. I could see Alan Partridge pitching every single one of these ideas. You could see Alan Partridge pitching fierce queens. Yeah, because mm. you know why? Because it would be like 2019, and the conceit of the episode would be that it's all about feminism now, Lynn. And then he'd 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 come up with an idea where he would have to like he could do a feminist show, but he I wouldn't have to work with any women. And then he'd pitch <laughs> fierce queens. Huh. Yeah. I, well, I like it. I want my co-presenter to be an absolute scorcher of about forty. Do use those words. Um, I love that when Riley does <laughs> partridge, it sounds like Richard Iwardi. I have a unified theory that Riley can actually do an impression of anyone on Earth, but only by doing an impression of someone else. That's literally true. Yeah. Oh no! It's like the Enigma machine, but for voices. R- Riley, do, do a Statham real quick. <laughs> I will not. I'm not your dancing <laughs> fool. <laughs> and his Statham is just like, I don't do an, epi- an impression of Jason Statham in 15 minutes. That's uh, Ray uh, Winston. It's true. He <laughs> literally does the Enigma machine. Let him play. Nah. Okay. <laughs> so here's the last one we're going to do before we move on. Murder unboxed. What does uh, a bottle uh, of brandy, a toaster, a pile of a pile of cash, <laughs> and a born supremacy DVD have to do with murder? 
Quibi's new crime series, true crime series, Murder Unboxed, will reveal the connections by dusting off boxes of evidence from real-life murder cases, mimicking the style of popular online unboxing videos. Oh, no. This is so insulting. This is is literally, like, what, what do women be doing? Women be listening to My Favorite Murder... And women be watching unboxing videos, apparently. So, yeah. what if we just had a, literally a murder unbox? That's so insulting. It's a ra- it is essentially a, a random show content. now. Uh, yeah. Look, the thing is, right? If I seriously, I think that if all every all of your output is purely a reflection of market research, if it purely is just reflecting back to people what they've already consumed. Yeah, Quibi is a funhouse mirror. Yeah, it's going to get weirder and weirder and weirder as random new combinations of things just bash together while they just throw all the fucking pasta at the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) We've accidentally done this to YouTube's algorithm on Well, There's Your Problem because all three of us independently forget to log out of the show's YouTube account and we just keep watching stuff while stuff's uploading. So the recommendations for it are fucked in three different directions at once. And it's like muscle confusion. It has no idea what to recommend this next. It'll be like, oh, do you want to learn how to use a bandsaw and listen to a bunch of hard bass? <laughs> but that's the thing, right? <laughs> yes, obviously, when, the Slavic dream. Yeah, yeah absolutely. While creating, <laughs> while, cre- while creating culture, all capital is able to do is try to make a return on an investment by looking at what else has made returns on investments. That's why it makes this like all of the all of the things produced by Quibi so hyper real and eldritch. It's so deeply weird. Yeah, there's nothing creative about it. It's purely derivative and extractive. Okay, wait, with that in mind, I have a pitch for a show on Quibi. We open on a rain-swept hillside. Hello, I'm Serbian war crimes prankster Banco Majeric and uh, this we're here in Westchester, Bosnia, and this is uh, mortaring civilians with my frozen shits. (laughs) Oh wow! We could actually bring Bamford or Jarek to life. Don, Don Ratko is cancelled. <laughs> Just fucking. Yeah, we're the, I mean, they honestly like how long if if Quibi stays in business long enough? How long before they have like the jackass guys do a kind of like? I mean, like, um, like here's here's the thing, right? I'm genuine. I'm genuinely approaching a thesis here. Also, I'm sorry that Bamco Margeric gets me every time, but it does. Mm. The, the you know what this is, right? Like, if Netflix is a thing that like pairs the exploitative aspect with the creative aspect, and from that you get like some stuff, some shows that might be good or not. And Quibi only has the extractive stuff and no creative thing. You know what it's missing? You know what the creative half is with no extraction? is on fucking Cameo! That's where Bam Margera literally is right now. You can listen to him, like, slur his words, try to, like, wish somebody a happy birthday and get their name, age, and gender wrong. Like, this is... Something has come badly uncoupled, and the result is that, like, Cameo is truly inventively weird. It's why it's so fun to, like, observe, is because you have no idea what's coming next. Whereas Quibi feels so disconnected because there is no creativity to it whatsoever. So what you're saying is we get fucking Bam Margera to do Bamco Margeric with only like two hundred (laughs) dollars. Okay, number one, uh, 
yes, let's do that at some at some point when the money maybe can't be used for some uh, something else more important. Uh, number two, uh, yeah, anyone considering doing that for us, g- give the money to bail funds instead, please. Um, number two, uh, I think that what this means is we need to start a third company that's going to act as the mediator between Cameo and Quibi, and we're going to solve this thing with another yeah. start. Quibio. Yeah, Quibio. So here's We're the thing, doing right? fucking dialectics to this shit. With startups. But here's the thing. We have, I think that, Alice, number one, I think that's exactly right, which is that, we have, that market research has become uncoupled from the thing it's trying to market. It's purely marketing now. But we also hmm. have to look at some other people because we've talked a lot about this company and what it's producing, but we have to talk about its relationship with its creators and its workers. Because as per usual, what Quibi actually is is a business model is a uh, union bashing effort. That's why it's a tech bashing, busting. busting. Yeah, yeah no, it, it literally is. It is a it is a massive it is a massive exercise in union busting. And I have with union the help busting of some, is when you have a really well coordinated game of soggy biscuit. So uh, <laughs> I have, with the help of some actual industry insiders who I've spoken with. Uh, gone into the WGA, Writers Guild of America, contract for an example of how this works. The basic logic of the contract is that the longer your thing is and the higher budget it is, your pay needs to scale up accordingly. And also, it depends on what type of studio you are. So if you're Warner Brothers or if you're Netflix, which is a new media company, you pay different amounts. Uh, So for example, the Writers Guild of America contract uh, for 2019-2020 stipulates that for writing a 60-minute episode of television for a network, is at least $39,463. And then that episode, oh. that show will have at least maybe 10 to 20 episodes in its run. I, I get it, but you're not writing a 60-minute episode. You're writing an 8-minute episode. Precisely. Quib, if you will. Yeah, now, and there's no pay scale for Quib yet. Well, the thing quib is, on, if we're writing on Quib on the club here, it's, it's the same... <laughs> The same contract says that if it's being distributed, um, at, but if it's 15 minutes or less, the minimum is 8,554. But that's for networks and networks and studios and stuff. It's not for new media. New media is defined differently. And so um, what happens is that uh, if we go to the new media, the o- minimums only kick in at 20 minutes. And, oh, fuck me. And, if- and, and here's the thing. If you have written a show that maybe has three, it's a 30 minute uh, sitcom, maybe like a 22 minute sitcom with three seven minute acts, all you have to do is put credits between those acts and they're now standalone episodes. So Mm. none of the minimums from the Writers Guild of America contract apply to the writers of Quibi. Fucking hell. I should have guessed that the reason why it was so strange was just nakedly evil. But like, right. also, like, I have a question here, which is like, this union busting, what is it in aid of? Because it can't, like, the other studios can't use this, right? It's not wedging open the door for anything. It, and, and, and the company's still going to lose money, so what difference does yeah. it make? Like, it, it, it only works if, it, if people genuinely thought it was going to be successful, or if, like, they're just purely driven by material conditions, and like it doesn't matter. We've just like invented a way to like it, like use this one loophole. It's like yeah. well, the Writers Guild of America doesn't actually, yeah, 
the, the, the Writers Guild of America doesn't actually extend to space, so we're filming everything on Elon Musk's rocket. It drives the thing up to like obscene amounts of, of cost, and also nobody's going to watch it. But we have successfully defeated the union contract. It's I mean, a bit I like when they fake the moon landing on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, Alice, I, think that, I honestly think you kind of captured it here, right? Like, yeah, the union contract has been defeated, and even if Quibi dies, then some other company can like look at how that was done, tweak it a little bit, and then boom, so long as you put credits in, uh, it doesn't matter if it streams directly one to the other, it's, you still don't have to pay the union minimum. Now, mm. there's a, cu- there are a couple of schools of, of ways you can understand this. You could understand this as Quibi realized that in order to afford its ludicrous, pointless, and frankly, um, somehow this technology makes things worse to watch than it already was, which is hard for a Quibi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before our light, the turnstile technology, they'd have to like you know pay not pay its actors and writers very well. Uh, or no, I think they started with that. Yeah, yeah, and I all- think that's why the turnstile thing is so funny. Is that like you you do all of this like legal contrivance to avoid having to pay your writers or your performers, and then you just erase all of it with a Google about turning your phone. <laughs> that that's such yeah. a perfect metaphor for the whole thing. Yeah, god damn. So like you got to ask, right? Like why is this thing valued at nearly 2 billion dollars? And I mean the union workaround that we've described like it goes some of the way there because the difference between a successful um or at least a successful certain kind of tech company again, I'm not including the sort of B2B firms that are, you know, they're still companies, so it's still not good. But like they're just quietly automating business processes in the background. They're doing something different. But hmm. these these companies that are aiming to like like Airbnb or Greensill or the ones that aim to undermine regulations, they're valuable because they find a way around paying people a good wage, a way yeah, around... But this isn't, this isn't even home. a valuable way of evading the contract because it no. just, it's so forced that it just dynamites anything that like might make people want to watch it. Yeah, well, okay, no, the, the people they, who came up with this company were cursed by a witch. Like they literally, <laughs> there was like you have to found like a, a massively expensive union busting company uh, that will culminate in someone screaming, "Give me back my garden!" Literally a th- literally a line, literally a line from a show. Yeah, God. Uh, so, but right, like, but you have to ask, like, how how did we get here? And because I don't think the union workaround is enough, no. um, because especially because of the so many crazy limitations placed in how the concept of content could be consumed, facing off against YouTube, Twitch, podcasting. It's well, just it's, it's, it's because money thing. doesn't mean anything anymore. And as such, you have these VCs who are just able to and in fact have to to keep this whole show on the road, invest purely based on vibes, what kind of sneakers the CEOs wearing, things of that nature. And so this is why I think it's best to understand Quibi is to normal companies as Quibis are to normal shows. It's just weird <laughs> and hyper real and reflected through the assumed desires of the audience, where it just makes no sense once you start to think about it for a moment. But I promise to tie this into inequality generally. And I'm going to do a bit of an explainer here on something called the zero interest rate problem. And this explains why companies like Quibi are hangover the financial crisis, and especially the response to the financial crisis from the Fed. So let's, um, we want to we'll do is look at Quibi, not just as a company, but as a historical phenomenon. Even though it was started in 2019, we have to locate its inciting incident in 2007, 2008. And that's because... Oh, it's when, all Obama's fault. 
Yeah, thanks, Obama. So what happened basically is that we, is the United States rode out of recession, as it was in the UK as well, was largely based on, okay, we need to channel this through the market, which means we have to encourage economic activity. And so interest rates were kept very low, an investment was made to replace labor with capital, monopolism grew, regulations were skirted or weakened. And the idea was that growth is growth, whether that growth is tied to the flourishing of actual people's living standards or speculative monopoly chasing. Yeah, it's the same thing as green sill, right? Where yeah. like the point, the, the product is that the line, well, the line goes up, right? Yeah. You get growth, and so mm. different mixes of monetary and fiscal policy, so interest rate policy or tax and spend policy, will encourage one or the other kind of economy. And we all know this podcast exists because we definitely all went down one path. So mm. interest rates, we talk a lot about interest rates, but it's, I think it would be good to go into a little bit of what they are and what they mean. Interest rates are essentially. The now, no one knows really where they come from. Uh, or <laughs> it's, God, it's, it's yeah, God, or it's debated. It's debated where interest rates come from, but interest rates can essentially be understood as the assumption by people undertaking projects and finding funding for projects that those projects will be successful. So the fewer people, so the idea is, if you have a higher rate of interest, so let's say three to five percent, then if you're borrowing money to undertake a project. You better be pretty confident it's going to be successful. It's, it's literally, I, I have a better explanation for this, and it is actually a form of interest rate. It's just the VIG in mob movies. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> so, so if the interest rates are very low, it means that companies are not borrowing because they don't think they're going to be able to make any money. Um, and so interest rates, on the other hand, by adding cost to speculation and investment, actually restrain capital from taking the kinds of like crazy and expensive risks needed to become monopolistic, because becoming a monopoly takes an enormous amount of investment. But companies like Quibi are only successful if they're monopolies. So effectively, when you have a lot of free money just flowing from the Fed, because we think we have to encourage economic activity as an end in itself, then you realize that there's, and you realize there's a market there monopolized, you go around monopolizing it. Katzenberg and Whitman made this most clear to me with their rebrand idle time message. They saw an opportunity for monopoly. It's free to try to monopolize something by just borrowing money for nothing. And so, of course, they do it. Much like Quibi's shows, which are just based on pure market research and purely de and pure de derivation, Quibi itself is just, well, we are going to reflect all of these other things in the economy, and we are going to make a zero-cost bid to monopolize something. So it doesn't even have to be good. It just has to be big. Mm. Now so, I understand why their directors drive around in a big tin shoe and a big tin <laughs> boat, respectively. <laughs> well, like so, it's also so weird that like a zero cost investment here means two billion dollars. Like that's such it, it, that would ordinarily be called inflation, but like because we've structured everything to avoid inflation ever, this is like normal. Yeah, exactly. And the and so this is the source of economic growth is these insane valuations for companies that never end up trading because they're because they exist as enormous bets made on quite shitty yeah, hands. It's it's, it's so another I, I, it's another pro, it's another like priest of the temple of the line having to go up. And so like uh, there's a really good article about the zero interest rate problem which I'll link here. Um which I mean I I see personally the zero interest rate problem as kind of like the er issue of the modern economy. Um, and you can think of it as decreasing the blind in a game of poker, which is the money you have to put in to play each hand. Mm. By making it basically free to play, the player with the biggest chip pile is able to make huge bets on like a pair of twos and just buy every hand by making the risk too big, big for everyone else to play. 
he tips the dealer handsomely, and everyone else continues making their own small antes for capital to take just by buying the pot, despite winning less and less and less. And so this is how get these attempts being made at monopoly play into inequality. So you can't think... Of, companies like Quibi wouldn't exist in a world that wasn't already heavily monopolized and ridiculously unequal. These things coexist for a reason. Yeah. Quibi, Quibi is a large bet on uh, like a, a two and an eight. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so <laughs> The NHS think- brought to you by Quibi. I lost a lot of being <laughs> one of those. I only I've only ever been to a casino once when I was eighteen, um, and I had no idea how casinos worked. So someone was just like, "Okay, take the money that you have in your wallet." And I think it was like fifty pounds or something like this because I was like, uh, "That was all the mum, all the, the money that my mother gave me." And I was like, "I just, I just want it on black." And I thought that was like a really safe bet. And then I lost, I, I lost everything. <laughs> I, lost everything. <laughs> I mean, this is. Uh, I think I'm the only Trash Future host to have been ejected from the Bellagio by security. So <laughs> I think you might be. That, but, that's a pretty okay, safe so bet, I, I think. I have been yeah. to the Bellagio, but I was I was not ejected by security. I ejected myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basically, if you want to tie this into other elements of the economy, you can think of a large retailer like Target or something that is able to make heavy investments, uh, borrowing money for free to do so, to automate checkouts and make half of its staff redundant. Right? It's able to do that because the economy is encouraging it to do so. Mm. Um, and, it's able to, and it's able to then become increasingly like a monopsony buyer of labor in its area. Monopsony is like a monopoly, but it's for one, one buyer rather than one seller. And I, guess, um, I, and I guess because these companies have like such unlimited access to capital and mm-hmm. their risks are like fairly minimal, and you've also got like, you know, weakened unions, so there's basically no pushback. They can take all these like bizarre risks or like in this case, like invent these companies which are any normal person knows is doomed to fail and they yeah. like, go with it. And I guess I, I guess like my my extended question or my extended thought is, is it because of this access to these like pools of capital and the fact that all of it is just really just reinforcing itself, which then kind of gives this psychological um manipulates them psychologically into thinking, yeah, this company could work because if it wouldn't. Why? Why am I getting money from so many places? I think that's a big I, I think part. So. Yeah. Because all of these guys are true believers when there's no reason for them to be. Like, so, just on a purely analytical level, the worst thing that can happen to you if you invest like two billion dollars into Quibi is you lose your two billion dollars, which, if you had it to invest, is nothing to you. And like a podcast makes fun of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not really <laughs> losing anything of consequence. Just no, imagine an ordinary guy who's like maxed out four million credit cards in order to invest two billion dollars <laughs> in credit because he like really yeah, like yeah. I don't understand, Sandra. This is going to make our family. No, his his wife his wife wanted him to go into debt to buy a golden quibby. Golden quibby, mm. uh, but like what you what you get then right is you can't look at quibby in isolation because the these beads to form monopolies they they're made knowing that many of them will fail. You say beads. Bids. That's why they're beads. So, well, these bids to form monopolies. This SMF, SMF said beads. <laughs> uh, but that means That's capital. A bead at the auction. <laughs> that means capital could afford to make incredibly weird decisions like this because ultimately it's not really a risk. I mean, it maybe failed in in this attempt to create a monopoly, or you know, we'll see if it has. It may have stepped on a rake this time, but it stepped on a rake as part of a much larger boot that's stepping on you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
It, it can make a bunch of it, it, if it bets all in every hand, then it's it's fine. It doesn't matter if this one loses. Yeah, because the way and also way you I have to step like, on every rake twice, once upright and once sideways. So it's <laughs> the way the way I think of money in this case, right? Especially in a zero interest world, if you think of interest rates as holding back this kind of thing, in a zero interest rate world where we've realized that no project is going to be successful, nothing's going to make money because no one has any money to spend. And the rate of profit has gone down again, right? Is that you have to think of money as uh, almost something like a... I mean, you have to think of money as a commodity, first of all, as we all read in Capital. But I think it's a good metaphor to think about it in terms of uh, physical matter. Where hmm. when size is what matters, when, when you can purchase the pot, when you can afford to you know, fail for five years so you can become a monopoly and jack the prices, when you can try to do an Amazon or whatever and lose money for a million years before you make money... You then all that has to happen is the more money gloms onto you, the more likely you are to be successful, and then the more money is going to glom onto you. And because interest rates are free, that's the only that's the only way you can really make a lot of money is is to try and form a monopoly. And so this is if you want if you want a proximate, not the ultimate cause, but a proximate cause or approximate relationship between companies like this and incredible inequality. It's quite simply that the money is all where it doesn't need to be mm. because there was already some money there. And yeah. you, we, and we cannot to- fund your schools because we have to spend that money on quibs. Effect- and not, e- not yeah. even quibs specifically, but like we have to, we have to retain the option to do quibs. We have to have <laughs> this this power of capital stored that we can make these bets constantly instead of building anything that people might actually use. Yeah. I think children should be taught in quips, you know, like uh, DT, you're building a golden arm. The lesson length is eight minutes. Fucking, uh, <laughs> art, you're renovating a house and cleaning blood off the walls. The lesson length is four and a half minutes. <laughs> so look, these downright bizarre companies like Quibi or WeWork or whatever, I see them as like a parody of what Mark Fisher was talking about when he talked about inventing the future. When that invention is sort of geared towards uh, sort of strange, otherworldly, and funhouse mirror forms of, um, of actual creativity and mm. focused more on new modes of extraction than anything else. So I suppose I could say that now is the time of monsters on Quibi. Yeah, the time of monsters is about eight minutes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But look, hey, we've been going for like a million years. So I think I'm going to begin to wrap for us a up. Quib. Yeah, what what if we broke this up into like ten or twelve different segments? Stop paying yeah. all these people so with much. credits in between. <laughs> hey, should we get a, hey, look, should we get a trash future credit sequence where all our faces come up and it plays like jingle jangle nineties music with captions? Yeah, like, it, like, like introducing Alice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, oh, hey. Uh, number one. Thank you very much for listening to us. Thank you also very much to everyone who like. We donated some money and then everyone else outmatched us like immediately. Uh, please keep donating to the yeah. blue link that's going to be. Nate's um, going to put yeah, a yeah. bunch of links up. You'll be um, with the virgins. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. made us look like virgins and we're so proud of you. <laughs> um, this is a time that is, look, it, it is serious. This is, is worth serious. It's worth being serious about. It is worth mm. doing something. It is worth doing something to try and. I don't know, make this world not as awful a place as it needs to be. 
And a big part of that is going to be throwing some money to that Act Blue link down in the description. Yeah, uh, this is this is where we cash in the uh, the mutual aid after all of this like uh, consciousness raising, right? Is you, you got you got to do the thing, you got to spend the money. Yeah. Um, uh, it's mutual aid time, folks. But hey, mm-hmm. um, once you've done that, importantly, once you've done that, um, also there's a Patreon for five bucks a month. You get the second episode. Um, in the, which we talk about uh, all of the shows that we watched, um, so that's fun. And I, I won't do lie, the other like, episode was way more fun. Like, if you enjoyed this episode, oh boy! Yeah this this was the business episode. Yes, yeah, this we, was we the are vegetables. In the front, other episode is the fucking party in the back. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, so you know all about all that. Uh, you also know all all the rest of the of of the stuff. You know about the t-shirts. You know about uh, our our. About all these, all these normal things. I don't need to bore you with those details. You know the song is it's Jin Sang. Here we go. Find it on Spotify. Listen to it early. Listen to it often. Hell, maybe find it on Quibi. Who can say? Maybe yeah. the pivot. Um, but hey, uh, I want to thank you all so much for listening, uh, mm-hmm. and thank you all so much for being sort of the greatest listeners up. Freaking podcast, yeah. uh, if, down home country podcast, can ask for. If, if if you are involved in uh, activities, if you're in situations, um, if if there are like events of a situation style nature have uh, occurring in your vicinity, be safe. Um, we're all tremendously proud of you, um, our Antifa super soldiers. Mm-hmm. And if there is if there is a value to us lacing up our clown shoes and making a podcast, then it is hopefully that we can a uh, coordinate some mutual aid so people who need money get money. But B, you you know maybe crack a smile in the world of trash future. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, with all that in mind, I want to say thank you, and from our family to your family, have a good one. Go watch yeah. quippies. Yeah, yeah, watch some, some quips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bury me with my golden arm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.